Now ponder how false and foul the notion is that Tawhid can be achieved and salvation can be attained without the medium of the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. O ignorant ones, how can there be faith in his Tawhid until there is perfect certainty in the existence of God? Know for sure, therefore, the certainty of Tawhid can be achieved only through a Prophet. As our Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, convinced the atheists and pagans of Arabia of the existence of God Almighty by showing them thousands of heavenly signs. Even to this day, true and perfect followers of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, present those signs to the atheists. That until a person observes the living powers of the living God, Satan does not depart from his heart, nor does true Tawheed enter into it, nor can he be convinced with certainty of the existence of God. This pure and perfect Tawheed is attained only through the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Just as the mighty signs manifested through a Prophet testify to the existence and oneness of God Almighty, so do they establish his love and majesty in the hearts of people through a perfect and consummate demonstration of the divine attributes of grace and majesty. When, on account of these signs, rooted as they are in mighty and overpowering prophecies, one comes to believe in the existence and oneness of God Almighty, and in his attributes of grace and majesty, one inevitably comes to believe in God Almighty to be one without partner in his being and all attributes. One loses himself in his love when one considers his excellencies and his spiritual beauty and grace. At the same time, he fears him when he considers his grandeur, majesty, and self-sufficiency. In this way, he is drawn towards God Almighty with each passing day until, after severing all baser relationships, he is reduced to just the spirit. The entire expanse of his blossom is filled with the love of the divine. Through witnessing the being of God, a death descends upon his person and he receives a new life after this death. It is in the state of annihilation that one is said to have found Tawheed. Thus, as I have pointed out before, the perfect Tawheed, which is the fountainhead of salvation, cannot be found at all except by following the perfect prophet. It is evident from this discussion that to believe in God's messenger is a prerequisite of believing in Tawheed. Their mutual relationship is such that they are inseparable from one another. A person who claims to believe in Tawheed without following the messenger possesses only a dry bone which has no marrow, and he is holding an extinguished lamp which has no light. If there is anyone who thinks that he who believes God to be one without partner yet does not believe in the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, will achieve salvation, know for certain that he has a leprous heart and is blind, and has no knowledge whatsoever of what Tawheed is. Satan is better than him in the profession of such Tawheed, inasmuch as Satan, though sinful and rebellious, is yet certain that God exists. But such a person does not even enjoy certainty about the existence of God. Footnote start. If someone were to ask why does Satan disobey God Almighty when he is certain about his existence and oneness, 
The answer to it is that his disobedience is not like the disobedience of man. He has been created for the trial of man with this very habit. This is a mystery that details of which have not been disclosed to man. It is the character of man that mostly and overwhelmingly he is guided aright by acquiring perfect knowledge about God Almighty. As Allah the Exalted says in the Holy Quran, Only those of his servants who possess knowledge fear Allah. Surah Fatr chapter 35 verse 29 However, those who have satanic nature are outside this rule. Footnote end. In short, those who hold the belief that a mere affirmation of Tawheed without believing in the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, will suffice for anyone's salvation a covert apostates. They are indeed enemies of Islam and they carve out for themselves a path to apostasy. It does not behove any pious person to support such people. It is a pity that our opponents, despite styling themselves as Maldives and men of learning, are pleased by such actions of these people. The fact of the matter is that these poor souls are always in search of some situation to arise that will humiliate and disgrace me, but due to their misfortune they ultimately fail in this. At first they composed an edict of kufr, disbelief against me. About 200 Malavis put their seals of affirmation on it and I was declared a kafir, disbeliever. These edicts were so harsh that some of the clerics even declared that my followers and I are worse than the Jews and Christians in our kufr. In general, edicts were issued stating, These people should not be buried in Muslim graveyards, nor greeted with the greeting of peace, nor should a handshake be extended to them. Also, they declared that since we are kafirs, it is not permissible to offer prayers behind us. Rather, we should not be allowed to enter the mosques because we are disbelievers. Mosques become defiled by us, and if we do enter, the mosque ought to be thoroughly washed. Moreover, it is permissible to seal our goods, and we deserve execution because we deny the coming of a murderous Mahdi and repudiate jihad with the sword. But what damage have they caused us despite these edicts? When this edict was published in the country, not even ten persons had entered into a covenant of allegiance with me. But today, by the grace of God, the number exceeds 300,000. Seekers after truth are joining this jamaat with great vigor. Is this how God helps the disbelievers when they confront the believers? Moreover, look at their lie that they accuse me of declaring 200 million Muslims who recite the kalma the Declaration of Faith in Islam, as kafirs, whereas we did not take any initiative in this matter. Their scholars issued edicts of apostasy against us on their own and caused a furore in the Punjab and India that these people, Ahmadis, are kafirs. Because of these edicts, the ignorant people began to hate us to such an extent that they started considering it sinful to even address us politely. Can any Malvi or any other opponent or any custodian of a shrine prove that we were the first to issue edicts of apostasy against them? Let them produce any document, announcement, or treatise published by me prior to their own edicts of apostasy against us, in which I had pronounced my Muslim antagonists to be gaffers, 
Otherwise, they should consider how dishonest it is that they are the ones who declared us to be kafirs, yet accuse us of denouncing all Muslims as kafirs. How hurtful is such dishonesty, falsehood, and obfuscation of the facts. Any reasonable person can understand that now that they have declared us to be kafirs through their edicts, and are themselves agreed that if any person declares a Muslim to be a kafir, then this false charge of kufr reverts to him. Was it not our right to call them kafir in accordance with their own admission? Therefore, for a few days, they exulted in the false pleasure that we are disbelievers. When their exultations died down and God spread our jamaat across the entire country, they began seeking new plots against us. Then in those very days, someone killed Pandit Lake Ram of the Arya Samaj within the stipulated time frame in accord with my prophecy. Yet, alas, it never occurred to any Mali that a prophecy had been fulfilled and a sign in favor of Islam had been manifested. On the contrary, some of them repeatedly reminded the government to apprehend the one who had made the prophecy. Yet even in this desire, they remained unsuccessful and frustrated. A short while thereafter, Dr. Martin Clark, the Christian missionary, filed a case of murder against me. What an occasion it was. They were so jubilant that their exultation knew no bounds. Some of them prostrated in mosques, beseeching God that I may get capital punishment, etc., in this trial. They cried so long for this desire in their prostrations as to rub, as it were, their noses off their faces. But in the end, in accordance with the promise of God Almighty that had been announced beforehand, I was acquitted with much honor and I was permitted to sue those Christians for defamation if I wished. In short, Malvi's hostile to me and their psychophants remained frustrated even in this desire. Then, after a short while, a Malvi named Karamdin filed criminal charges against me in Gurdaspur, and the Malvis opposed to me appeared as witnesses in his support in the court of Atmaram, their extra assistant commissioner, and they spared no effort to implicate me. They had high hopes that they would succeed this time. To give them false pleasure, it so happened that Atmaram, lacking as he was in discernment, did not thoroughly consider this case and resolved to sentence me to imprisonment. Thereupon God revealed to me that he would chastise Atmaram with the death of his children. I communicated this vision to the members of my Jamaat. Then it so happened that within the span of 20 or 25 days, two of his sons died. In the end, Atmaram could not sentence me to imprisonment, despite the fact that he laid the foundation for imprisonment in writing his judgment. But God held him back from that design, yet he imposed a fine of 700 rupees. Subsequently, I was honorably acquitted by the court of the divisional judge. Footnote start. The divisional judge of Amritsar, who was an Englishman, carried out a thorough investigation into this litigation and in accordance with the requirements of justice, delivered the judgment that was required by comprehensive inquiry and the norms of justice. He wrote in his judgment, in his own words, that the words used by the defendant appellant regarding Karabdin, the respondent plaintiff, words of liar and malicious, were supposed to have warranted the defamation suit. But even if the appellant had used harsher words about Karabdin, 
you would still have been deserving of them. Footnote N. Karamdin's sentence was maintained and my fine was remitted, but Admaram's two sons did not come back. In short, the pleasure my opposing Maulvis had wished to get in Karamdin's trial remained unfulfilled, and in accordance with the divine prophecy, which had already been published in my book Mawahibur Rahman, Bounties of the Gracious God, I was acquitted, my fine was remitted, and the issuing officers, i.e. Atmaram's, order was set aside. Moreover, he was reprimanded that the order was uncalled for. However, Karam Deen, as I had already published in Mawahibur Rahman, was punished and the judgment of the court put a seal of affirmation on his being a liar. All our opposing Maulvis failed in the realization of their designs. It is a pity that despite such repeated discomfitures, my opponents did not realize at any time that there is a hidden hand with this person that protects him from everyone of their attacks. If it had not been for their misfortune, they would have recognized the miraculous way in which God Almighty protected me from the harm they intended to inflict upon me. Not only did he save me, but also informed me beforehand that he would save me. Moreover, on every occasion and in every litigation, God Almighty continued to inform me that he would save me. Thus, in keeping with his promise, he continued to protect me. Footnote start. All of these prophecies have been published from time to time. Our opponents will be answerable to God as to why they ignored all these signs. Footnote end. Such are the signs of God's might. On the one hand, the whole world has come together to destroy me, and on the other is the mighty God who saves me from every one of their attacks. Then my opponents came upon another occasion to rejoice when Jaragdin of Jammu, an erstwhile follower of mine, became an apostate. After his apostasy in my book, Dafiul Balaywa Miyaru Ahlilistifa, Defense Against the Plague and a Criterion for the Elect of God, I published a revelation which I received from God Almighty that having been seized by divine wrath, he would be killed. At that, many a cleric allied with him out of sheer spite for me. He wrote a book that he named Minaratul Masih, the Minaret of the Messiah, in which he called me the Dajjal, Antichrist. Also, he published his revelation that he was a messenger from amongst the messengers of God, and that Hazrat Isa, Jesus, had given him a staff so that he might kill the Dajjal referring to myself with that staff. In fact, nearly half the book is devoted to the subject that I am the Dajjal and that I will be destroyed at his hands. He further professed that this very news had been communicated to him by God as well as by Esau. Nevertheless, people may have heard what happened in the end. This man attested to the truth of my prophecy with his own death, along with the death of both his sons, by the plague on April 4th, 1906, in a state of utter hopelessness, only a few days before his death, he had drawn up a statement of Mubahala, prayer duel, in which, after mentioning his and my name, he prayed to God Almighty that of the two of us, he who is fall should be destroyed. The might of God. That paper was still with the copywriter who was occupied in writing its little graph copy when Jaraldin departed forever, along with both his sons, that very same day. So take a lesson, O ye who have eyes. Surah Al-Hashr, chapter 59, verse 3 of the Holy Quran. Such are my opposing claimants of revelation who denounce me as the Dajjal. No one ponders over their fate. In short, the coterie of clerics fail to realize their heart's desire even after allying themselves with Jaraguddin, the apostate.
Then after this, yet another Jalaluddin appeared, namely Dr. Abdul Hakim Khan. This man too calls me a Dajjal, and like the earlier Jalaluddin, counts himself among the messengers. But it is not known whether or not he too has been given, like the first Jalaluddin, a staff by Hazrat Isa al-Islam, with which to kill me. Footnote start. Given that Hazrat Isa al-Islam gave the staff to Jirakhdin to kill me, it is not known why this fury and anger was roused in his heart. If he became displeased because I publicized his Jesus' death throughout the world, then it is his error. I did not publicize it. Rather, it was publicized by him whose creation Hazrat Isa is, like we are. If there is any doubt about it, look at his verse. Muhammad is only a messenger. Verily, all messengers have passed away before him. Surah Al-Imran, chapter 3, verse 145 of the Holy Quran. And also the verse, But since you did cause me to die, you have been the watcher over them. Surah Al-Maida, chapter 5, verse 118, the Holy Quran. The surprising part of it is that the one to whom he gives his staff, he himself perishes. Some staff, that is. I have heard that this second Jiraghdin, i.e. Abdul Hakim Khan too, has, like the first Jiraghdin, made some prophecy about my death, but it is not known whether there is any mention of the staff in it or not. Footnote N. However, in his arrogance and conceit, he has greatly surpassed the earlier Jiraghdin. He is better worse than him in abuse and excels him in slander. At the apostasy of his blazing handful of dust, the clerics were overjoyed as if they had chanced upon a bounteous treasure. But they need not to be so jubilant. Instead, they ought to recall the plight of the first Jiraghdin. God, who has always denied them such pleasures, still exists, and just as his prophecy foretold the end of the first Jiraghdin, so also has the same omniscient and all-knowing God foretold the end of the second Jiraghdin, that is, Abdul Hakim Khan. Hence, there is no reason to rejoice, be patient and wait for the final outcome. Besides, it is peculiar why they exult so much over the apostasy of an ignorant apostate. It is God's grace upon me that if a person renounces on account of his own misfortune, thousands come to replace him. What is more, can it be concluded from the apostasy of an apostate that the faith he forsook is not true? Are our opposing clerics unaware that many wretched turned apostate in the time of Hazrat Musa? Many defected from Hazrat Isa, and similarly, many wretched and unfortunate person turned apostate in the day of a holy prophet. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Thus, Musalim Akazab too was one of the apostates. Considering all this, only the foolish would dare gloat over the apostasy of Abdul Hakim Khan and consider it an argument against the truthful movement. Of course, such people become the cause of a false happiness that lasts a few days, but that joy soon dissipates. This is the same Abdul Hakim Khan, who had earlier mentioned me by name in his book and had written that a person did not believe in my claim to be the promised Messiah. It was then shown to him, Abdul Hakim Khan, in a dream that this denier would die of the plague, which in fact he did. But now he himself, having turned apostate, insolently vilifies and abuses me and makes false accusations. Has the time of the plague expired now? I have already explained that the entity called Tawheed, which is the basis of salvation and which is something distinct from satanic Tawheed, cannot be attained except through belief in and submission to the Holy Prophet of the time, that is, the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. 
Without submission to the Prophet, barren tawhid is nothing. Rather, it is like a corpse without the soul. What remains to be explained is whether, in conformity with my statement, the Holy Quran has made submission to the Holy Prophet an essential condition for human salvation, or if the Quranic teaching is in contravention of it. In order to make this truth understood, I cite the following verses. Allah the Exalted says, Part number 18, Surah Nur, Chapter 24, verse 55, the Holy Quran. Translation, Say, Obey Allah and obey the Prophet. It is an established and manifestly evident truth that any violation of divine injunctions is a sin and cause for consignment to hell. Here, just as God enjoins obedience to himself, so does he enjoin obedience to the Prophet. Therefore, whosoever turns his back on his commandment is guilty of committing a crime, the punishment for which is hell. Allah the Exalted says, Part number 26, Surah Al-Hajurat, Chapter 49, Verse 2, The Holy Quran. Translation O ye who believe, do not say anything beyond the commandment of God and His Messenger. In other words, scrupulously follow the commandments of God and His Messenger, and fear God lest you disobey Him for he is all-hearing, all-knowing. It is quite clear that anyone who exclusively relies upon his own barren tawhid, which in fact is not even tawhid, considers himself absolved from obeying the messenger and severs his ties with the messenger, detaches himself completely from him and insolently oversteps him. He is disobedient to God and bereft of salvation. Allah the Exalted says, Part number 1, Surah Al-Baqarah Chapter 2, verse 99 of the Holy Quran. Translation Meaning that whosoever is an enemy to Allah and his angels and his messengers and Gabriel and Michael, then surely Allah himself is an enemy to such disbelievers. Now it is evident that one who believes in barren tawheed but rejects the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is in fact the enemy of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Thus, in accordance with the purpose of this verse, Allah is his enemy, and in his sight he is a disbeliever. How can he then hope to merit salvation? Allah the Exalted says, Part number 5, Surah An-Nisa, Chapter 4, Verse 137 of the Holy Quran. Translation O ye believers, believe in Allah and his messenger, and in the book which has been revealed to his messenger, i.e. the Holy Quran, and in the book revealed before it, namely the Torah, etc. And whoso disbelieves in Allah and his angels and his messengers, and the last day has strayed far away from the truth, that is to say, remained deprived of salvation. Allah the Exalted says, part number 22, Surah Al-Ahzab, chapter 33, verse 37 of the Holy Quran. Translation, it is not permissible for a believing man or a believing woman to have the right when God and his messenger issue a command to reject that command. Whoever disobeys God and his messenger has strayed far from God, the true, namely remained deprived of salvation, for salvation is for those who are the people of God, the true.